Welcome to episode 85 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And today is our 85th episode, only two episodes to go until we equal Stack Overflow. So equal Stack Overflow, meaning, meaning that we've done the same number of shows that they did before they quit? Yeah, if we, if we were wrestling with them, we'd just be about to get them in the uh, sleeper hold. <laughs> yeah, it would be more impressive if we could get the number of listeners they had. Yeah. That would be that's, impressive. How many do you yeah. think they had? They must have had like 30,000 or something like that. I mean, that's just my guesstimate. What do you think? I don't know. I thought someone had mentioned, you know what I think it was? I think Joel Spolsky had said somewhere that they had like 20,000. It was either 15 or 20,000 and it was consistent. Yeah. It wasn't really growing. It just pretty much stagnated there. Interesting. I wonder why that is. I mean, I wonder how, how a podcast like Twit, for example, can have 500,000 listeners. And then, but I guess Stack Overflow is quite inside baseball-y. Well, I mean, yeah. The, the, uh, first of all, it's an audience um, of developers, mostly. And specifically, people who like either Jeff or Joel are interested in the Stack Overflow site itself. Right. Whereas Twit is more of just generic you know, computer tech podcast, right? So a lot more people are sort of power users or just general tech aficionados as opposed to software developers. But didn't we hear that like .NET Rocks podcast had something like a million listeners? I mean, and that's pretty specific, .NET. Yeah, well, no, .NET has a million listeners? No. I think no, so, yeah. No, 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 no. They had like, they had something like 200,000 downloads in a week. They might have 200,000 listeners. Oh, I'm just not even sure. That seems high to me. That seems really <laughs> well. It's look. Hey, look. I mean, that's how many downloads they're getting. Well, I'd, I'd like. I'd like to see those numbers again. That just doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't seem to me they could be half the size of Twit. Well, why not? I mean, Microsoft is pretty big. I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe so. Who knows? But uh, all I know is we got to get a hell of a lot bigger than where we are. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Do you think that our reach is um, outside of uh, Stack Overflow, for example, or do you think that we're the Pretty similar. I think we have a potentially bigger audience, but we're starting so far behind them. I mean, Joel's and, and Jeff have been building up their profiles. Yeah, for years. Brands yeah. for years. I mean, Joel and software started back in what around two thousand one or something right, like that. Yeah, that, that's true. Even even earlier Take, than that. Even yeah. earlier than that. And Jeff started probably four or five years ago, and and worked relentlessly on building up uh, coding horrors. And he has I don't know what a hundred thousand or more subscribers so when you already when you're already at that level and then you start a podcast then you know you're gonna have a huge uh advantage in starting out so they, they probably started out at 10 or fifteen thousand listeners day one well you know you know who's helping us build our uh, our, our show is is our listeners and the, the the guys who've been donating huge amounts of money to us to make our our show better and to increase our audio production quality Oh really, Justin? Yeah, we've we've actually raised three hundred and ninety-five bucks so <laughs> that far. Sounds like a, an intro. Okay, uh, you know who are these people, Justin? Well, I'll tell you who these people are. Um, we actually have um, for for today's show, we have two executive producers. These are two fantastic guys who've donated fifty bucks each. Wow! And one of them is called Michael Rakita. I know we have, Michael Rakita has been a been a longtime listener. We've, he's been commenting for you know at least for the past year, I think. And you you can check out his website at traysoft.com, where he sells um, various different bits of software, amongst other things, uh, an easy to use free caller ID, 
piece of software that you plug into your Windows machine. And he's at uh, Traysoft. Is Traysoft? Yeah. T r a y soft dot com. Okay. And then Sam Howley, good old Sam from QueryCell.com. Sam was our very second. Uh, he was our, was our first guest on our second show. That's right. Episode two. <laughs> and he, 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 at the time, he was getting ready to launch QueryCell, which allows you, to, it allows the user to query a database with, from within Excel. It's right? basically QueryCell is a plugin for Excel that allows you to use SQL within Excel applications. Oh, no, itself. that's right. That's right. You, you can query the, the, the data in the, ta- in the, uh, spreadsheet as if it was like a database table. As if it was a database table, yeah. Right, right. That was cool. That's right. That's a good idea. So, so Sam Howley donated 50 bucks to us, and uh, that's wow. why he's an executive producer. Awesome. Mo- Thanks, guys. That's yeah, cool. Michael Rakita donated 50 bucks, and that's why he's an executive producer. Very nice. So how close are we to getting the uh, audio equipment? I can actually start to buy one thing. I can buy the mic now. I've certainly got enough money for that. How much have we raised so far? We've raised 395 bucks. Wow. And our goal was $500. Wow, that's great. Actually, we didn't even need $500. It's just because that was the smallest amount that they'd let you put on that system. Okay. But to, if we get, I mean, if we do hit that 500 bucks, we've got 35 days left to raise the rest of it in. Okay. Um, if we do hit that, then we'll just invest it in other audio stuff for you. We'll maybe upgrading the website, things like that. Yeah, no, we, I, think, I think the next thing after the audio for you is getting a, a, a custom design for the website. That's my vote. So we've got some shout-outs, some, some people okay. who've uh, donated 10 bucks or 20 bucks. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six shout-outs for us to do. Um, oh, actually, five, sorry. So Matt Swanson, 13 days ago, uh, gave us 20 bucks. Thanks, cool. Matt. Thank you, Matt. Awesome. Robin Gorey gave us a 10 bucks 16 days ago. Cool. And as you said, Robin? Yeah, Robin. And we yeah. have two Robins. Right. Who tend, to, who tend to comment. We've there's got Robin, Robin and, and the other Robin. There's Robin and a Robin and the other Robin. <laughs> no, is, this, is Robin Gorey Robin or is he other Robin? I think Robin Gorey's the first Robin. He's the original? Although, I might get in trouble for saying that. Okay. I hope, I hope he is the original. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so 16 days ago, Bill Derling uh, okay. gave us 10 bucks. Thanks a lot, Bill. Much appreciated. And then 12 days ago, Corey Mass gave us 12 bucks. That's Corey Mass from Gel Form. Um, yeah, so, no, Corey has commented a few times. Yeah, and uh, he's also blogged about us, um, so just yeah. check out gelform.com. I think it's gelform. Right, right, yeah, 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 because, uh, you know, I, I, all these names ring a bell. Like, obviously, Michael Rakita and Robin, I mean, I've, you know, they've been coming a long time, but even Corey, Corey's fairly recent, like, for the last, I think, couple, you know, couple months he's been commenting. I think <laughs> I think Corey's Corey's pretty much from the beginning, actually. Is he? But yeah, he he wasn't so. commenting a lot until more recently. Well, I mean, he's known. I think he's I think he's known me through um through work for quite a while. Okay, because so. you know there's there there's certain people who are always big commenters, right? Like, yeah. Like Bams is a prolific commenter. Who else? Well, you know Philip Philip Monet, right? I was thinking about this. Yeah, he yeah Philip he, he writes huge comments. We, like, like we we could actually write uh, like we could de- devote an entire website to Philip Monet. <laughs> just basically him he's, because he does very constructive critiques of every show alright cool um, I, one thing I, I mentioned this a little bit I think I mentioned this to you already it was, it was off air which is the idea of like doing sort of like a, a mimic show or a clone show oh, so yeah. where we like mimic another show format so we do like our version of No Agenda or right. our version of Twit like literally do like a, a very similar intro and outro literally Literally do it. Literally, literally. Yeah, exactly. Right. 
uh, or Mixergy or, or whatever. It I don't kind know. Of, I'm kind of happy being us. I don't know if I want to want to mimic just, other people. Just just for the fun of it. Just I like doing stuff every once in a while. Just for just just for uh, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, I wouldn't want to see. The only problem is if you did that, pe- the other show hosts might think you're mocking them. Right. Right. Like if yeah. we if we mimicked startups for the rest of us, Rob might be like, dude. What do you have to do? <laughs> Listen, Rob already hates you. I mean, you guys have fallen out. <laughs> no, no, no. Rob's awesome. I love Rob. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, you know, so anyway. Okay, so um, I guess first thing I want to bring up is, um, uh, you know my secret project that I've been working on. Right. So basically, I'll just give a, I, I'm happy to give like a quick little overview of it. Um, if you go to justinvincent.com, you'll see on one of the blog posts, you can register for a, for a, a thing I've got called Think Tank. And basically, um, it's a brainstorming tool, um, like a collaborative brainstorming tool. Wow, you're talking about it. Yeah, but that's, that's all I'm going to say. It's a collaborative brainstorming tool. I'm shocked because 10 minutes before we, talked the show, we started the show. Okay, so, right, for our listeners, I've been banging on Justin for the last couple of weeks. So like, why are you being secret about it? I mean, I've, you know, you made me come out about uh, App Ignite long before I released it, so... Okay, well, so so I'm I'm just going to say that it's it's a brainstorming tool. There's that the, the, you know I mean that's pretty pretty broad spec broad spectrum. It could be like mind mapping. It could be various different things, right? So right. that's all I'm going to say about it. But the reason why I'm going to talk about it is because of domain names, right? And um, I've registered like eight different domain names. I'm not sure what I'm going to call it, but there's this one domain name, and I'm not going to say it. But I've been inquiring through um, domainmarket.com for this domain name. And it's like, it's an okay domain name, but I mean, it's not the best name in the world. But basically, they want $55,000 for it. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Well, okay, so just to give our <laughs> listeners a little perspective, and we, you and I have been debating this right. for, I don't know, three or four days, right? Yeah. And your initial thought was like, well, why buy it now? Why not just wait until this company, when and if it's success, successful, at that point, then you can... Um, you'll have money to buy it. And my thought is, well, look, you don't know, uh, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to extract as much money as they can from you at whatever point. Right. So if you're a, if you're a nothing company, they're going to extract whatever money they can at that point, unless it's just not an, unless if they're saying, well, 55,000 is literally how much they're expecting you to pay. It's not just a, a, an anchoring that they're, they really want to get like 10, 15 out of you. And they're starting at 50, 55 to kind of pull your mind in that direction. Um, but because now that you're thinking 55, if you could get it for like eight or seven, you might be like, well, that's, that would be an awesome deal. Right. You saw anchoring works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like you're initially thinking like a couple thousand. So if they had said six or yeah. seven to start, you would have been like, "That's insane." But now that they've they've, they've thrown fifty five out there, you know, you're thinking like, "Hey, man, ten or ten No, I, I'm actually not. But I, I, I mean, I, I mean, look, there's no I mean, way I'm going to buy a domain the name way, for. That's the way the cognitive bias works, though. That's right, what, right, yeah. Anyway, so go on. Well, so, okay, so well, the other thing was, you know, whatever they charge early on. It's at the very least it's going to be as much as as you could want to handle now. But if you become successful later, or at least successful enough that they can see you on the web and they can see you have customers and that you are have real revenue, they're going to raise the price because they know they can't because they know that you're using the name and you're some like derivative of the name. You don't have a .dot com actually, and they're like, well, we can get these guys for a lot more because they've already invested in the brand. Um, now the other thing that you had brought up, I guess, in the first conversation about it was that well. Once we 
establish a trademark on on the name, then it might be much easier through legal means to get the name from them from a decent, reasonable price. And my my reaction to that was like, I don't know what the hell you're smoking because that's not how it's going to work. Because first of all, there is no legal precedent for extracting an, a, a, a domain who, when the, the owner of the domain had it or registered it before you even established a trademark. It's not like they came and in, in, in domain squatting on a pre-existing brand. And you have no idea how expensive those legal costs could be. So it's not like it's just sort of like, oh, well, they're going to have to sell for a reasonable price. Plus, you have no idea what, even if they even if were forced to do it at a reasonable price, what a reasonable price means. Is it reasonable 5000 Is it 50000 Or is it 200000 You have no idea. So my advice to you initially was if you can get it for 3000 or something in that ballpark, uh, and, and, the, and you love the brand, which I think it is a great, a great name, then I would just go ahead and do it now. But it doesn't. Fifty-five thousand, of course, is a lot higher than three thousand. So, I've got about seven different possibilities that I can use for this concept because essentially it's a brainstorming tool, right? You mm-hmm. know, there's lots of different names that could work with a brainstorming tool, right? And um, I've got three dot coms that I could potentially use for it. And I just, I mean, I just happen to like this domain, you know, and I would be prepared to pay a couple of thousand for it, the, the one that I like, um, even though I've got these other ones. So that's kind of what I've pitched to them and what I've said to them. But I, it, it just, I guess the overall thing is, it just seems a shame to me that these companies, uh, I mean, if you, if, you go to, <laughs> if you go to GoDaddy and type think whatever, anything, right? Maybe it's think space or think couch or think butter, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Everything is taken, you know? So you're, you're kind of, you know, doing something relating to brainstorming, right? Everything is taken, and it's all taken by squatting companies. It's just, it's freaking ridiculous. It's just so, like, uh, what, what do you call these guys? I mean, is it... Domain squatters. Domain squatters? I mean, it's, yeah. it just seems like... Cyber squatters, domain squatters. It's, it's irritating. That's, that's all. And, and, yeah, and, well, I mean, that's probably much how it works. I mean, anytime some resource is considered valuable, then people are going to get as, try and um, get as much of it as they can. For as cheap as they can. I mean, that's just how resource allocations work. You know, it's like you, you think of like what are the alternatives? Okay, so if you say, well, if you're not using a domain, like you have to be using it. It's kind of like a trademark or something. Like if you don't force a trademark, you lose it. Right. Right. So, like, if somebody starts imp- infringing on your trademark, you have to take legal action against them. If you don't, then it's going to be it, it's going to be considered from a legal perspective that you are abandoning it. So you could do sort of a similar thing with, but then it's like. The question is, well, what does it mean to be using it? Can you just throw up a a, um, a page with AdSense on it? You know, so it would be really hard to figure out like, well, what does it mean to be using it or not using a domain? And um, you know, therefore, like, well, if you say, okay, well, we're going to charge real money to actually be on it, like it's you know five hundred dollars a year to have a domain or something, or thousand dollars a year. But then, but then every then only companies could have domains then you're saying okay well people individuals nonprofits. well that's fine but how about how about for a dot com charge a hundred bucks a year right they should they shouldn't have gone below a hundred bucks because if you look at the dot io that's a hundred bucks and it's difficult to to spend that amount of money you know like you can't go ahead and like pre-register a thousand domains at a hundred bucks a pop right um so that and, and then for the personal use you just have like the dot orgs or the dot me's or whatever 
Yeah, I don't know. It just it just seems to me that like whatever you set up, there's going to be a way that people are going to get around it pretty easily. And, it's, and, and what's going to happen is everybody else there's going to be more pain because people are going to get killed in the crossfire. <laughs> you know, right. people end up suffering more than they suffer now. And I think what happens now is that oh, you have all these domain squatters, you know, who who grab all these domains because they're so inexpensive to own them and just pay eight bucks a year or whatever it is to renew them. I think that. You know, you're seeing things like people use these alternative, uh, whatever domains like .io or .ly or or whatever. The big the big guys don't even pay eight bucks a year. I mean, basically, if you look at if you look at domain market and you follow the whole thing through, it's essentially owned by one guy called Michael Mann, mm-hmm. and basically he owns a registrar, he owns the broker, he owns the domain. And I mean, he he owns every part of the chain, right? Sure. Or, or their company owns vertical you, integration of domain squatting. <laughs> he also owns a venture capital company that basically looks at those domains and develops them into businesses. Right. So so basically, like the, he doesn't pay eight, eight bucks a year for every domain he owns. Because he, he, he owns a register, he pays like a dollar. Yeah, right. Exactly. Maybe he's that. Yeah. Interesting. It's astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's too bad. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you'll just have to get creative, I guess. Come up with something else that'll work. I think so. That's the only way, only way forward. But I thought, I thought that one of the uh, using a .io is not a bad idea. I think it's kind of right. cool because, as we've talked before, I think .biz is a little uh, <laughs> scammy sounding. You know, it's like having dashes in your name. You can't have dashes, or you can't use .biz. It just looks low class. It looks tra- it's, tra- it's like trailer. It's like w- web trailer park. <laughs> but it, but isn't a dot io something that's just techies would understand? I mean, it's not it's not really going to you know go beyond techies. Then I don't know. Well, you're not going to be. You're not. Your audience for this is mostly going to be techno techie or power. Web I guess people. Yeah, that's you're not going to be going. Grandma's not going to be using this. I can guarantee you. So right. um, you know, and dot io is kind of cool. I would go with the dot io. I just think it sounds kind of cool. Um, and you know, you, one thing we talked about a little bit too is is um, the you the whole you know get, like Dropbox was getdropbox.com. Right. They didn't get Dropbox.com for like a year or maybe two years after the company was founded, and it was funny because most people never even realized it because it didn't matter. You just type in Dropbox, and they were number no, one. That's true. You just type in Dropbox, and everyone gets there. So you so in some ways you could just go with whatever name you wanted. And Firefox, Firefox was like getfirefox.com, wasn't it? Oh, and is it Firefox.com now? I don't think it is now. I think it's still get Firefox or something. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't do get for whatever name unless it's software. Those are both, you know, downloadable software. They're not websites. So it might seem a little weird to get something. But then Clicky, I use Clicky for um, my analytics in, in, instead of uh, Google Analytics. Yeah. I don't know why. I just heard I heard the guys from Clicky interviewed on Mixer G like, I don't know, six months ago or something like that. And or one of the guys in it made it seem like it was pretty cool and it was a lot easier to the, the numbers and that you were the numbers that they, that they were displaying were just easier to understand and or better organized than in Google analytics. Yeah. That I thought, ah, that's kind of cool. I'll just use clicky, but it's get clicky. So talking about so that's get clicky, right. And that's not even, um, that's not even an app. That's just like a web service. Yeah. yeah. So website. there you go. And, and another thing that people do is they put app after it. So like, um, or, or you get Basecamp HQ, right. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think yeah that's right i mean that's right you do things. it's right it just uh, in the end it just doesn't matter i don't think it's worth spending tens of thousands of dollars if you if if, if you want to spend a few grand you know a thousand two thousand three thousand if you really like it then you could do that but don't yeah. don't spend tens of thousands of dollars it's just not worth it i, I think, think i'd it, go a couple of thousand and that's it yeah i think i think that's 
I think that's okay. I think if you think the band's the, the brand is is that and the name is that good and it's that brandable, then go for it. But anyway, I think that the IO for the name that you've one of the names you've talked about would work fine. So listen, um, you're talking about get clicky in numbers, and I, I know the reason why you're mentioning that is because you put it on your blog. Now you've had some pretty good success with your blog, right? And and um, some subsequent people have blogged about you, and so you've been on the front page of Hacker News twice over the past <laughs> week, haven't you? Three times, actually. Three times. Congrat, congrats. I'm three for three. So tell us about that. Okay. Well, this is funny because so you know we started our blog competition. What was that like three weeks ago? We we started oh you are wiping the floor i mean i am so behind you now no 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 i think it's just interesting our our approach i think it's worth talking about so right yeah it's funny as we started but really you started and i didn't do anything (laughs) yeah week and a half and you were kind of mocking me because you had your stuff on wordpress and you were like nah nah (laughs) you don't even have a block up and (laughs) and then some of like our listeners were kind of giving me a hard time (laughs) they're like yeah loving the blog there jason (laughs) so um Okay, so my approach w- was a little different than yours, right? I took a little time to get out of the gate because I, I, I wanted to, to not – I didn't want to use WordPress. I wanted to kind of do my own little thing, um, you know, for whatever reason. But that, that was my – that's what I wanted to do. And in your your sort of idea was to write something every day, right? You figure, look – uh, Which know, I haven't been doing, but I, I, that was my original idea. You did that for at least a couple weeks, didn't you? Maybe maybe about a week. <laughs> no, no, you did it for more than a week. You at least did it for a week and a half because I didn't get into it till like a week and a half, and you had like written almost every day up until that point, I think, right? Okay, okay. I'll, maybe say not, week, but I'll you, give you a week and a half. Okay, but you 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 were doing the 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 um the daily thing, and you'd write like you know it's like it's really short though. They were kind of like halfway between a post and a tweet. Right. Yeah. You know, you'd write like maybe a paragraph or or more, and um. You know, my plan was a little different, was like, okay, if I'm going to take the time to write something, then I, I'm, I'm going for the front page of Hacker News. I mean, that's what I'm going. I mean, it's like, for me, it's if, if I'm stepping up to the plate, I'm, hitting, I'm going for a home run. If, I'm not gonna, if I don't have a chance of, of hitting a home run, I don't feel like it's worth my time. Um, just to write, to write. Because some people blog because they're just sharing s- their stories or their life experiences with people they know. Like, hey, I, you know, they're, they're, they're just talking about interesting and fun things that are happening to them or a few thoughts that occur to them, right? And it's not, they're not, they don't really have a huge purpose, a, 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 a purpose of building a big audience. My goal is to build an audience and to pull in a lot of people to App Ignite. I want, I want to get the App Ignite user base up so that when I'm ready to launch, I have thousands of people waiting, not like 30, right? Right. So, and so with everyone on my blog, after, at the bottom of every you know, post, I have a little, you know, trailer that says, you know, by the way, I'm, you know, recruiting uh, users for beta users for App Ignite. Click here to, you know, sign up to the beta, right? And so that was my plan. And the first one I hit, uh, the first one I did, I had a Hello World, but that was obviously just a Hello World. That was just to make sure the blog was working. And the second one was Forget the TechCrunch launch, Mm -hmm. which was sort of a play off of, um, there had been a couple of posts that were about the uh, you know how to how to get a tech crunch launch or you know some one guy wrote like i think it was uh i think it's jason baptiste i think his name wrote like you know 15 ways or 13 ways to get it to prepare to get a tech crunch launch and and then someone else had did, did sort of like an ask hacker news thing where he said well you know i did everything i was supposed to do and i did all i you know i wrote a hook and a story and i emailed you know tech crunch all stuff and, and nothing so he was all depressed about it <laughs> And it got a lot of points in Hacker News, and everybody's like telling them to just not worry about it. 
And I and I agreed. I was like, you know, this is kind of stupid because, you know, most of the things that are, most of the uh, things have launched just they they they've launched gradually. They didn't have like some big you know giant parade the day they launched. And it's, and well, it's just, that one didn't that one didn't do particularly well, but it was that was your second one, so you that were was my. Kind of- yeah. That really counts as my first because the Hello World yeah. was so, that, so I got like thirty points. I got some. I got, yeah. I got a hacker new front page for a little bit. Got about thirty points. Got about a thousand people came and read it. Then I wrote the next one was or Jason Calacanis wrote a, an article called um, "Can you have a Can you do a startup and have a baby at the same time?" Yeah, and his his conclusion was essentially not really unless you've already it's just they're too both they're, they're, both of them are too all consuming. So you really just need to have already sold a startup and have resources so you can have nannies and babysitters and things and, and, and then you can maybe do a startup. And I was like, that's just a load of crap. You know? It's a load of crap and you don't agree with it and you're kind of proving, you're, you're living proof that that's not possible. You know, yeah, that, I just that's think right. it's crap, you know. Yeah. I think, and and, and uh, so I wrote a blog post called, entitled How to how I'm Bootstrapping a Startup While, while Raising Three Kids. And that, that was hilarious. Cause so, so I wrote it and it was funny because I'm writing it and I spent... And I think you, I saw you online, and so I kind of pinged you at like it was around midnight, right? <laughs> and a Thursday night, this is like a what a week and a half ago, and and I said, hey, do you mind taking a look at my post? And you're like, yeah, sure. And then I I, I kind of emailed it to you, and you're like, dude, <laughs> I have to call you back at thirty minutes. This is yeah, so long, right? <laughs> it's such a long post, right? <laughs> you're like, and uh, the other thing was, your, your first reaction was like, man, I hope you didn't spend all day writing this, you know, basically with the implication being. There's really low probability that something like this is going to. No, no, no. That wasn't that wasn't what I meant. I just meant the the simple fact of you you've got so much life to live and be and just the idea of spending four hours writing a blog post to me is just like you know is it really worth it? But maybe right. you know. But you've you've kind of proven that it is worth it. Well, let's yeah, let's jump let's jump ahead. Sorry. So I, yeah. I that kind of depressed me immediately. I was like, oh, and like I I knew you I knew you hadn't read it yet, so it wasn't like you were giving. I knew you weren't saying all this this post sucks, you know, what a waste of time. You were just thinking, yeah. wow, it was a lot of time. And I, I was just like, oh man, he's right. I was kind of got depressed. Cause like, man, I spent all this time on this <laughs> a big waste of time. And so I was like, all right, whatever. And so the next morning, you know, we were taken off. It was a Friday morning and we were getting ready. We were, we were going to leave in the morning to drive to Las Vegas where Sandy's parents live and visit them for the weekend. And so I just submitted it in the morning and basically there was a couple points. It was kind of floating down the page and I saw that it just barely got onto the front page of like four votes. And so I was like, oh, that's sweet. I hope it gets some more and stays up for a little while. So then I, we get in the car and then you call me in the middle of the afternoon and you said like how long had you been driving at this stage you'd been driving it was like down one it was like Vegas. one and it was like one in the afternoon we were in the middle of the desert so you, you've been driving a couple of hours you're in the middle of the desert you've got no internet access and you call me and you call me i was just trying not to think about it because i was like well i was just kind of my, my mind i'm playing little games like i hope i got like at least 15 points or something that would be <laughs> maybe 20 you know because right. the first one got 30 and i was like yeah something in that range would be really cool it was really depressing if it only got like seven points and disappeared into the abyss and so then you call me you're like do you know what you just did? <laughs> it's like, uh, no, you're like, you got 90 points, like three pages of comments and Calacanis has retweeted it to like his 60,000 followers. Yeah. So that was pretty exciting. And then, uh, by the time I got to Vegas, I looked at it and it was like 120 points. And, you know, I had 5,000 people come to the blog, come to read it. And I had, you know, pages and pages of comment on my blog. And I got tons of emails from people sort of, um, just asking for advice on things. It was really funny. Oh, and what about um, um, Epic Night signups? So I get about, I don't know, like 250, maybe 300 signups. 
so that's a, that's a big deal because if basically i mean think 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 about it like if you you, you probably made yourself a couple of thousand bucks if you, i mean if you think about it realistically if you if you even have a one percent a one percent um sales ratio yeah, I mean, it's it's really, okay, I think it's worth it at this point to invest in, this is sort of marketing at this point, yeah. right? So, you know, I, and, and you, there's an argument to make the other side. It was funny because I was talking to Matt Krieger, who's a listener, and he, every once in a while, will chat. And he's like, you know, he's like, I'm not sure it's a good idea. I think maybe you should just spend all your time working on App Ignite and then not worry about the marketing until you're ready, until you launch and afterwards just do it. And I was like, well, that's, that's fair, right? It depends how much time you, you, you spend, you know, investing in marketing, invest and spend time on marketing and doing stuff like this as opposed to working on and, you know, how many fewer features are there going to be and how many more bugs are there going to be because I spent time doing this kind of stuff as opposed to working on the product. Right. But there's also the idea of like, okay, if I launch and I have like, I launched it to like 30 or 40 people, <laughs> and that's kind of depressing because it's like you launch and then nobody's there. But if you, if you launch and you have like, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand people. I think that you should. I mean, I, I definitely think that any any new thing like this launching should have a beta list of at least a couple of thousand. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's worth it. I think, um, I think it, it, it's psychologically. I think you'll get so much more feedback, and you'll have so much more of a center of gravity in terms of people will kind of know what it is, and you'll get blog coverage. And you, I just think it. I think there's. I think it'll ultimately pay off. I mean, I don't know for sure because I haven't done it like this before. Um, and, you know, Rob, Rob Walling has talked to me. He wrote a big article about, about it, you know, a couple weeks ago called Why You Should Start Marketing the Day You Start Coding. Mm-hmm. And it, that's his whole point, too, is just, you know, you want to you wanna build that demand and, and you want to get that stuff going early. And I know that's what I'm doing. And I think that these writing these blog posts is a way to get that. That's my primary method for getting a decent you know, sort of beta list built up, you know, and uh, otherwise there's, there's not a, an obvious way to do that. But, you know, like with, with Plugio, I mean, I had a couple of thousand people on the list there. And with, um, well, you know, I had a couple of thousand people on the list there. And in both of those scenarios, and, and that's kind of the reason why I say, oh, you should always have a couple of thousand, because that's what I've done in the last few times. Both of those scenarios, what happened was those initial users were kind of the big users and it never really changed or grew that much. So I think something that you would need to be careful about is to keep that marketing going, which I haven't really successfully done with, you know, beyond the point of launch. Because what's the weird thing about Plugio is it's basically within the first month, it was earning $1,000 revenue and it's earned $1,000 revenue every month since. (laughs) So it's pretty much just stayed the same, right? Yeah. So you need to somehow move beyond that and, and and keep it going up oh yeah no i have a lot of ideas i have a lot of ideas of how i'm going to do that and the the, the idea of writing some blog posts that get some um that they get some uh coverage on hacker news or reddit or whatever is just my first is this the first uh first strategy because i can do it now i don't have to have anything working on app ignite to start pulling in people Mm-hmm. And I have I have a lot of ideas of how to get that up once I have something to show and I, you know there's a lot of tricks and a lot of ways to kind of get interest built up and get people talking about it and I don't know there's a lot of things to do and I, I think it's and that's what's tricks is it's just that if you want to get people's attention you want to do some things that are interesting with whatever you're doing it's like when you when a movie's coming out you show some really cool trailers. Right, it gets people like, "Ooh, that looks cool!" Right, you see some cool special effects uh, in the in the trailers, and people. You know what I like about App Ignite is it's it's not a movement. 
basically. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make a difference how many people are using it. Like, just one person could use it and it could be good for them. It's not like Facebook where you need a critical mass. If you work at building up really, I guess, zealots, really zealous um, users, individual users who are incredibly passionate about it is almost more important for you than throwing out a lot of stuff. I mean, what do you think about that idea? I'm just, I'm just kind yeah, of well, brainstorming. Yeah, I, I kind of, I think that you know, when we interviewed Jessica Ma of Indonero, she made some really good points about some of that stuff. And one thing she did is, you know, she spent a lot of time with her users. She would right. spend hours on the phone. She would, have, you know, she would go visit. She said she went about two to three dozen of them. She went and actually visited them. Yeah, no, you should do that them. definitely. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I don't know how many of my users will literally be in, you know, near Pasadena, but, you know, I would very much like to spend time on the phone with some of the early users. Screen share. Do screen share sessions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a very efficient way to do it. I mean, if people live relatively nearby, you know, I mean, obviously I have more on my plate than Jessica did other than, you know, I mean, she's a white combinator. She's, you know, a kid. She doesn't have a lot of, you know. Mm-hmm responsibilities other than doing her startup. So she, and she had other people she's working with, so she could do that. I really can't, I can't take off like half the day to drive down to Culver city. <laughs> you know, I just no, can't. But why, why bother when you can, when you can just use go to meeting anyway? No, I think that's, I think that's a good way to do it. I mean, you know, I remember talking to, um, when we talked to Isaac and Arnold from central desktop, I mean, that's what mm-hmm. Isaac did, right? Well, yeah. Arnold was working on the product. Isaac spent a lot of time talking to all the early co- customers in depth, trying to understand, you know, how they want, wanted to use the product, how they were using it, what the problems are, everything. And yeah. that, so it did a couple things, right? I mean, when you do that, it helps you get a much better understanding of, of what the product needs to do, what the problems are. And what the product is. What the product is. But it also really endears you to them, right? Because you're spending time with them and they're like, they're kind of like, hey, I'm on your team. You're, help, you're trying to help me out, right? You're literally trying to help me solve my problems. And in our last podcast when i when phil was on we talked about renaissance research group and our software system the edge system we talked about that and one of the things that helped us is we would give these sales presentations to these small trading firms mm-hmm. and we'd go in and give the sales presentation and sit around talking and joking around with them and you know phil's a really funny guy and so it was really you, you know i we get we i think we did a good job of 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 uh getting to know and uh, having a fun time just even, through even the sales presentation. And so there's like these little firms were kind of like, they were like rooting for us, right? They're like, oh, so you two guys, you're doing this. That's cool. You know, they were kind of excited about it. And so like, yeah, they, they wanted to see us succeed just because it was kind of a fun story to them mm. because they got to know us personally. On, on the same topic, but slightly sidestepping, um, mm-hmm. a blog post that I was reading called Timing Your Startup reminded me of App Ignite a little bit because what they, what they were talking about was how... It's not just having the right idea, it's having the right idea and executing it at the right time. Mm-hmm. And the example that they gave was YouTube and basically how so many companies before had tried to do video on the web. But YouTube got the time right because that was when Flash was on everyone's machine and video just started working, right? Right. right. And I, th- I think that that relates to Appignite as well because the kind of stuff that you're doing probably wouldn't have been very available and very easy you know, mm-hmm. five years ago or whatever. Also, people wouldn't have necessarily been prepared to do it. They wouldn't have been prepared to, to trust cloud services or their, da- their data on the cloud. Whereas now there's all those kind of stars are coming into alignment, which could be right for App Ignite. That might be true. Um, that might be true. I, you know, I might have been able to, I mean, I think certain things with the video, is, it, it was even more important because the availability of digital cameras, video and flash, higher speed um, 
internet access, all those things are really important. I well, mean, what, do you, what do you think about the, the basic premise of, of the timing having to be right for an idea? I think in some cases it's like I, for, for that one, the technology was it was coming together of, of many technologies. So the other firm, the other companies tried it before the technology really supported it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, like Appignite could have launched five years ago and have been fine. You know, you think. But what about, for example, Facebook? Mm-hmm. I mean, like Facebook. I mean, it's, it's not just the technology timing of it; it's also the psyche timing of it. Yeah, you know, like the like the general global psyche of of users on the net, like. We've seen this, we've seen this, we've seen this, which has essentially prepared us for this new thing, you know? Like Facebook kind of came about after MySpace. I wonder if Facebook would have been so easy to take off as a social network if MySpace hadn't done it or, you know, Friendster. Yeah, no, I mean, there's certainly, I mean, there's certainly sort of, I mean, the uh, the success of ideas, you know, and our you know, companies, I mean, there's a, they are somewhat path dependent, I think, and it depends mm-hmm. on like what came before to understanding it's like music right like you can take someone who, who only from the 50s and play a music from our period and they would just wouldn't get it yeah at all it's, it's too far there's not enough links there they have to kind of go through some evolution of music and and be like okay I, you know the next step it's just it's just it'd just be too foreign and be too odd it would just sound like noise to them probably um so i i don't know but in terms of epic night I, I don't know i mean i i think it could have it could have launched five years ago and, well no no because look People have tried to do this again and again. It's not something new. I mean, what you're doing with Apignite isn't something that's the first time. I mean, just like just like YouTube, right? Um, many video sites tried before and it didn't work out because people weren't ready for it. You know, well, okay, and that's okay, what I'm okay, saying okay. about Apignite, right? Because many people have tried to build WYSIWYG, drag and drop, or whatever kind of tools to build software. Okay, well, the reason nowhere. is if, if Apignite in its exact same form that I'm building it now was available... Uh, in 2004 or 5, it would have been fine. But the problem is what people did is they did it the wrong way. Like Coghead, mm-hmm. they did this whole flow diagramming, drag and drop, built on top of Flash and Flex. I mean, it was just bizarre. It was right. really hard to understand. I mean, I'm looking at it. I wouldn't look at it. I'm like, I don't even get it. I mean, I don't even know how to do this. I mean, like I'm dragging like a for loop into a conditional. And then I have, I mean, it was just, it was just complicated. And and uh, and it was all on Flash, which also looked really bizarre. It was all tacked on. So, so what about Epic Night would have worked in two thousand and two? Why would why would it have worked? Because uh, I mean, two thousand two or two. I mean, I don't know. I, like I said, I mean, uh, let's just say two thousand five. You know, okay. two thousand two is going back. Let's say two thousand five. Right. You know, right around the time when I was launching the first version of uh, Prezo. You okay. know, which is much more complicated front end than Epic Night. Um, and, uh, I just think it was fine. I mean, you know, look at, um, Wufu, a web-based form designer that launched in 2005, 2006, right? Yeah, no, I, no, I get you. But what I'm saying is basically the, the concept of just building an entire website, an entire piece of software through wizards. I don't know. I don't know if that would if people would have gone for it back then. That's all I'm saying. I, yeah. I think the part I think part of the thing that makes that available is the fact that frameworks and Ruby on Rails have like taken us one step further. So lots of people have, have started thinking about something like that, mm-hmm. right? So if it was if it wasn't for the the growth of frameworks, it would be unlikely that people would take it seriously. That's just what I'm thinking. Maybe. Well, I mean, what is taking seriously? I mean, if someone tries it and it works, then it. That's there. I mean, taking something seriously, I don't even know what that means. I mean, right? I mean, you go and you use well, it. Pe- it works, because people, works, like, right? people wouldn't even give it the time of day. Look, if, if, cloud, if, if cloud data and, and those security issues hadn't been dealt with by companies like Salesforce 
and other other companies that have basically kind of shown it's okay to have your data in the cloud. If if uh, Ruby on Rails hadn't shown that it's okay to have you know applications built really fast and quickly and scaffolding and all this type of stuff, then what I'm saying is, is that people would be like, eh, I'm not. Yeah, you tell know. them that, and they'd be like, oh, I'm not even going to talk about it. Well, I'm not no, even I think it's. It. I think I think it's. This, I think that doesn't make any sense. That it's silly. I mean, you know, if if they go and they try something and it just works, I mean, it's just the proof is there immediately. People are like, oh, you should try this. I mean, you know, who cares? I mean, Ruby on Rails and uh, Django and stuff. Those are all steps forward in terms of making things faster. But if someone says something can work, fa- can be done faster, and then it actually works, it just works. I mean, and you don't. I don't. I don't think you have to be taking it seriously. I just don't think that makes any sense and like you know things like google docs and stuff and spreadsheets and all stuff that was all in 2005 right i mean people were putting all that stuff up there hundreds of millions of people were using it so i mean yeah i could have launched back then but it didn't you know so lucky for me (laughs) in fact i remember i need to just i need to call you back because of the uh the sound just one sec it's the 47 minute mark exactly it hit 47 minutes exactly every time what time I don't know. Perhaps I'm just playing devil's advocate just because I want to make the show more interesting. <laughs> well, I don't. Uh, I, I don't. Like I said, I wouldn't try and do anything to make anything more interesting. Just talk about stuff you're interested. In. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. Um, I remember when I was at the uh, Office 2.0 conference, right, in 2000 uh, October of 2006, and I remember seeing Coghead and being really kind of bummed out because I remember thinking that's exactly what I really wanted to be working on. Mm-hmm. and luckily for me they failed because <laughs> then i saw it and i looked at a kind of a cool logo and they looked like they had a bunch of money behind them and i'm like oh man that sucks that was the problem i kind of i wanted to solve and then when i went and i actually tried it out i'm like oh this is a fail this is going to be a big fat fail and then of course it was like a year later or whatever it was year and a half later they failed mm. because part of the thing is is that they they did it all wrong you know with the flow diagramming you know kind of breadboard style designing logic and and then using flash like i've said but the other thing was is they just they had like they raised like 20 million in venture funding or some huge amount of money and so then they, when you do that and you're selling to businesses it's like what that means is that you got to find a lot of customers pretty quickly because mm-hmm. you're ramping up and the problem is is that new technologies like that are going to take a little time to ramp up on their own you can't force it in a way and it was like they couldn't evolve. They didn't have a chance to evolve it and figure out what the product was. They had to like, this is the product, and now we're going to get big fast. And um, yeah, so they just, that was you know, one big fat fail. So have you got any other uh, topics for us? Yeah. Oh, you don't think I was going to say one other post I wrote is the last one I wrote of the three was Lux Surface Area. Oh, yeah. How did that do on Hack and News? That did okay. I got 10 points. It was called How to Improve how to increase your luck surface area. And I know that was something we've talked about on the show. And uh, Lance Jones from uh, Page 99 Test. Yeah. Um, he, uh, let me just make sure I got that right. I think it's, uh, yeah, Page 99 Test. He's a listener and he sent me an email and he says, hey, by the way, I just wrote an, a blog post about the luck, luck surface area. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> I was going to write that, right? Yeah. But so I read his post and he really didn't explain what it was. He just said, he just... But his you know, post got to the front page of Hacker News, right? It did. Well, his was a good story because, I mean, he, he, he basically said, he basically just did like a one-sentence description of it, which actually was, was really all it's needed because it's almost, it's almost self-evident. It's self-describing, yeah. right? And so, and he, he attributed it to me in a text scene, which was really cool, Lance. Uh, by the way, I appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, gave a link 
a link to the show and to, to my site, which was cool. And uh, But that, that got a lot of juice. And so I said, well, since he wrote about it, I should probably just go ahead and write a blog post about it. The problem was I have a hard time writing about something that seems sort of like self-evident. It's just yeah. hard to write about. And so it took me a long time to write about it. Eventually, I just got tired of just screwing around with it. And I said, all right, this is it. I'm just going to – it's not that long. And it was okay. And I knew when I released it, I was like, eh. You know, maybe it'll make it, maybe it won't. But it still made it to the front page. Still got ten points. It still, I got about twelve hundred readers. It translated into forty signups to Epic Night. Great, that's good. Oh, that's really yeah. good. Yeah, so it still worked out, right? I mean, so maybe I worked on it four hour for four hours, which was a pain because yeah. it was really more than I wanted to, and it, it didn't result in a great post. But the bootstrapping with kids turned out to be a really good post, and I think the next two posts that I'm going to do are more along the lines of stories. Yes. that I think you're going to like. And I got the two I have have really catchy. I'll go ahead and give the titles, which are how I screwed up my, my Google acquisition. Yeah, that's, that's going to go that's gonna I go swear huge. to God, I, that one, I feel like I'm standing at home plate pointing in left field. Yeah, really, I'm like, it's going all the way, baby. That is, yeah, that's going to be <laughs> And big. the second one I want to write, which I think is pretty, it's probably has a, is going to have uh, just about as much luck, is um, uh, how I ended up sleeping on Mike Arrington's couch. Oh, yeah, that's good, yeah. That's going. So those are both going big. And I... <laughs> I, I think I, they both have a good shot. I mean, there's always a little randomness. I could end up, it can end up not working, but I think if I do a good job on those, and, I, and telling stories, I think is, is is easier for me than just trying to explain some self-evident concept in in, in more words <laughs> that are needed. So I don't know. I have a, those will be fun to write, and I think they'll work. So we and, also uh, have our. Um... Oh, one last thing I want to say. Okay, one last thing I want to say is, you know, when I wrote the luck the luck surface area one. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't go to the gym. But normally, I, I, I clock out at 5.30, grab the kids, and, and, and go to the gym, work out, take a break. But I just kept on working because I was so irritated. It was taking me a long time, and I didn't. And, I, and so I ended up working until like 8.30 or 9, so yeah. I worked for like 12 hours straight. Yeah. It was a total, totally wrong thing to Everything do. was bad. Everything didn't work. The, 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 side, the, 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 the post wasn't that great. I had a backache for two days. I mean, literally, I mean, like a stress backache. We were sitting in the chair for 12 hours. I felt terrible because <laughs> I didn't work out. Like, my legs felt all... Did you feel felt, that, that kind of weight of depression of I've done something and it wasn't successful? Yeah, I, I was like, I was oh, like, this was dude, such a stupid sucks. waste of time. I, I'm irritated. I spend time on it. I feel physically, I feel like crap. Yeah. I just... I, I, it took me like a day and a half to recover. My, it took me two days to recover from the backache. My backache's finally just going away now. And that's with a lot of stretching and stuff. And um, I'm just like that whole 12 hour just crank session. Like, I'm just going to knock it out. I'm just like, I've, I've learned that lesson so many times. Everyone, and I, every once in a while, I have to relearn it yeah. to remind myself that you, I can't do it. I just, you know, it's now like. You see, that this is what I like about my approach, which is just not being very attached and just putting out a lot of stuff, right? Because you don't get so attached to it. It's not too stressful when it doesn't get anywhere. You're just kind of saying a little thought piece, which is pretty much now, the way Seth Godin does it, right? He does... Seth Godin. Seth Godin. He just does little pieces. Or Godin, whatever. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so so because you've got, like, they, they really are like your little babies. They're your little children, and, and you're putting them out there, and if they don't go, it's almost like the world is turning around and saying you jason <laughs> but that's uh do you know what I'm well saying? no i don't take it but personally but here's the thing i it's not that you can't work hard on stuff yeah it's just that don't do it 12 hours straight i should have just said all right well i'm not going to finish it up tonight 
you know, I'm going to go work out and, and have dinner, take a break. And maybe if I want to come and work on it for an hour and a half after dinner, after Sandy's gone to sleep, I can do that. Yeah. But, and that would have been fine. I would have been refreshed and probably could have had some, looked at it with sort of, you know, clear head and fresh eyes and all that. But I, I believe in, I believe in like, look, every time you go up to the plate, you're looking to hit a home run. I mean, I don't like this idea of bunting or I'm just showing up. I hate that crap. If you're not going to do it right, don't do it at all. Just don't bother. It's a total waste of time. There's enough crap uh, That's just up. your opinion. I mean, that, that, I, of course it's my I, I opinion. totally I, disagree with that. I mean, and I'm not just disagreeing well, to look, disagree. Well, I just, yeah, I totally well, I disagree. Know. Well, look how many readers you've had from their blog post. Right? Because you didn't try. Well, but I've, I've had some pretty, I mean, I've had pretty consistent, consistent readership. I mean, basically, I always have, you know, from, from all of the efforts that I've done, you know, the podcast, the Easy SQL, the Twitter, all the different yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, like, you know, some of those you really Overall, there's... Yeah. Well, well I didn't really, I mean, I didn't try any more with the Twitter than I did with the blog. I mean, overall, it's been oh, a yeah, pretty yeah. consistent flow of traffic. Oh, I mean, because... Texting, you put in a lot, ton of effort, a ton of time, and and it's and it's and because of that, it's it, it's continually growing. You put in your Twitter account is is based primarily on the work you did on Tweetminer and Plugio, <laughs> which, by the way, was a ton of work. <laughs> your easy as well was a ton of work. The the few blog posts that you got up there were you put work into the ones that like you know stop your brain thinking of interesting things it's true the one the one that says shut up brain stop thinking of cool shit i did spend a lot of time and that did get to the front page of hacker news for a long time i guess that's right but i don't put much time into bill gates bands itunes from windows yeah so occasionally you get lucky it kind of reminds me of like in college when you would you would write like a paper in like three hours the the morning before the paper and actually get an a on it and think you're a genius and keep doing it and then that's the only time you ever get an a on it you're like man because you think, oh, I don't need to like spend two weeks on this. I could just crank it out of yours, and it's just stupid. Or, or you, you take a test that way, and, you, and it fools yourself because that's what you want to believe. The reality is, quality takes hard work. And you know, my feeling is that if you're not, if you're going to work on something, you know, do it right and actually make it work. Otherwise, just don't waste your time because you could have just all those things that you just like half-ass or just throw out there. You could have just not done it at all and just gone and taken a nap. I, I'm, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm begrudgingly potentially possibly conceding but i'm not outrightly conceding look i'm i'm interested in your experiment and it's interesting the way that it's worked for you and, and i'm not saying that i'm not saying that i i've i've written three blog posts i'm no expert but i'm just yeah, talking exactly. about exactly i'm just saying you but could I'm be just, being fooled by randomness right now you know your next well, we'll your next four could be could go nowhere we'll see we'll see we'll take a look at the end of my of my you know, and say first 10 blog posts. And, you know, I'm not saying every one of them go to the front page of Acronews News and everyone will get five or 10,000, you know, viewers, but they all have a shot. But you've also got some pretty good stories to tell. I mean, the next story, the next story of yours about um, how you screwed up your Google acquisition. I mean, I guess I could tell my story about how I spent a year in business with Yuri Geller. That's good. <laughs> I could, That's I could just choose good. those kind of things. That's a good thing. Um, yeah, you mean you, you know, and you and you need to spend some time on. It. You don't write it in thirty minutes. You got to like think of all the funny and interesting angles about it, and and really hone it and make it good. And then you then you got a shot. And like, there's always randomness. There's always a thing. It could just it could fly off into the abyss, and nobody, you know, submits anything, and or nobody upvotes it and you're, and you're screwed and that will happen on occasion that's why you have to take multiple shots but each one should be a real shot just don't be don't make a cynical a cynical post 
I mean, don't be cynical, but you know, they, they like in soccer, everything like, you'll see the, the announcers be like, oh, it was a cynical tackle, you know, like the guy was really half assed. He wasn't really trying to hit the ball to take the guy out. It was just kind of like really wasn't doing it the right way. And I think that's the right way. You just, you know, if you're going to do it, otherwise just go play and relax and have fun and do other stuff. You know, right. I just fear save that time up. And if you, I don't know, that's, okay, that's my Okay, look, talking about blog posts, don't we have a few people who've mentioned texting in their blog posts for which we're tremendously grateful for? And you should uh, read out their names. Okay, yeah. First, uh, Benjamin Pack from ioglyph.com wrote a great uh, blog post. This was about uh, a week and a half ago. Um, texting, embrace the morning commute was his uh, title. So we'll have a link to that. So that was, uh, it was a really nice post actually really appreciate it benjamin and uh in lance jones i already mentioned he he brought up the luck surface area yeah much thing. appreciated Linked us. so so he could sort of a half mention on that because it really wasn't about the it was just a mention it was yeah it gets a pr credit as they say on right. no agenda okay it's a pr credit but benjamin pack everyone go to ioglyph.com check out his uh his post um that was that's much appreciated so like and, and as we've said and as we will continue to remind people if you um if you'll do us a favor and, and, and write a blog post about the show, that is if you like it. Yeah. <laughs> if you hate the show, <laughs> just unsubscribe silently. <laughs> okay, and, and if we forgot, if, if we have forgotten to mention um, a post that you wrote, just ping us, it, ping, us to it, ping us the address again and we will mention it next time. Yeah, so cause we really do appreciate it. I mean, um, the only way, the reason we're growing is because, um, you know, our listeners are helping us out and, uh, you know, and uh, one last thing is, if people, we, I don't think we get this much, but we really need people to um, give us some um, money. Use no, well, yeah. <laughs> Textinglife.com forward slash donate. Yeah. We want a new website design. We want a new website design. <laughs> no, Please, what are you it's so say? ugly. What are you say? Uh, no, is we need um, some reviews on iTunes. We need iTunes reviews. Yeah, why don't we have any? Can we please, can everybody just hook us up? Just, just, like how next long two does weeks. it take? It's like just a couple of minutes. What's it going to take to get some iTunes reviews? Look, okay, we will give you the money that we raise. We'll give you. <laughs> <laughs> we will. No, we got to come up. What, Justin? If we can get twenty iTunes reviews, Justin will do X. Uh, probably let's go, not. Let's go. Probably <laughs> not. I don't think I will do X. Bam, I think Jason I think, will do X. I don't no, think I, Bam should be involved in deciding what Justin I think, does. I, I just think, have a feeling that Bam's can come up with something awesome. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the by the way, so yeah. that. Yeah, we need iTunes reviews. So, and, and Justin will do X, and Bams will name it. No, no. <laughs> and Philip, Justin won't Philip, actually do X. Jason Philip will do Bonnet, X. Philip Bonet will have to critique it. He has to approve. It. I think Philip is kind of like a, a more like a. I, um, I also think that someone voice of reason. I think I think Philip is a voice of reason. I think someone I, should create a website that somehow automatically scrapes texting and pulls out Philip Bonet's um, comments and put turns them into a book about texting. <laughs> so um oh you know i i, I one thing before i forget i want to mention is you know one thing we had you know we had phil on the last episode right and when he said he made a funny comedy he's like he's like you know i'm not like a sophisticated coder yeah i'm like what are you talking about you know people will make these sort of self-deprecating right statements yeah so i want to first of all say phil is not an unsophisticated coder <laughs> So anybody get the impression that he was just sort of like this dilettante coder is crap. 
Bill uh, is one of, one of the best coaches I ever worked with. So that's part of the reason that we were able to succeed um, to the degree that we did in, uh, in Renaissance Research Group is because he was a great coder. Renaissance. I just wanted to correct that because <laughs> I thought it was. And the other thing is he said in there, I was listening back to it, he's like, oh, yeah, Jason has an addiction problem. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I don't even drink. <laughs> so I don't drink. I don't well, smoke. I think he means like a mental addiction. Like yeah, you, but you're I'm kind sure- of addicted to competition, aren't you? I don't know. Come uh, on, I, we, look, you got so spurred on when all those people commented and said, Jason, Epic Knight's going to fail. That was hilarious. And you were like, no, it's not. I think there was only one person who was serious. Right. I think it was Robin. Was I don't like, even think anyone was serious. I just think they were trying to sound like they were serious. <laughs> They're trying to like get me revved up. It does. It gets me. F- oh, and that's going to be another blog post. But I do me. think Epic Knight will fail. Well, good. Just so you be, know, I really genuinely. Gonna, it's going to be called the Justin List. It's just going to have your name on it. And it's going to be in your face (laughs) (laughs) in your face okay so look we actually haven't discussed any single topics do you have a topic (laughs) we're an hour into the show and no topics let's 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 talk about uh well why does it have to be a uh, news story we've covered a lot of stuff yeah i guess that's true yeah yeah let's talk about the open letter the open (laughs) This is great. So for anybody who hasn't listened to the uh, the interview with Jay Skeevil, which who's the geologist, and for one of the, one of the topics that we covered in there was the idea of mining helium three from the moon as a potential energy source because it's you can you can um, helium three is a uh, was a um, energy source for fusion a type of uh, a type of helium fusion reactor. And it's really interesting stuff. But I basically proposed foolishly on the show that we as texting should write an open letter <laughs> to all of the billionaires in tech saying, hey, look, check out this Helium-3. Um, it's, it's a good potential energy source. It's a great business model. You know, we, we can just do the research. <laughs> Let's get up to the moon, <laughs> mine the Helium-3, bring it back. All we need to do is invent a Helium-3 reactor. But um, it seems like uh, Jason thinks that we should really go for it and uh, turn it into a... Well, I was cracking up when you said it. I'm just like, dude... <laughs> Well, I, mean, like, I was just going. What do we I was know just about gonna, helium three. Well, right? I was just going to do my usual, you know, like ten minute blog post about it, right? I mean, neither of us are like geophysicists or nuclear physicists, right? Right? Okay. You know, if we were nuclear engineers or nuclear physicists or something, or had some kind of expertise in it, it might carry a little more weight. Okay. You dropped out of. Uh, okay, so I, so anyway, I was discussing this with Jason, and and what does he say? He says, "Look, if you're going to do something, do it properly. Do it right. You need to stand on the home plate. You need to pretend you're taking a." The major hit, you're going for a home run. Shoot for a home run, right? So, so my suggestion is, yeah. if we're going to do it, I mean, why write like a two-paragraph BS blog post and put it on the texting blog? It's Because we don't have a blog, and if we did, it would just be stupid. Right. So I'm like, look, create your create our own domain called like Race for Helium 3 or something. Just create our own domain based yeah. on it. Right, actually do some research um, on the Helium 3 topic. Come up with like a call to action, like a very optimistic look. This is this is the problems that lay ahead. We oil is being depleted. You know, a lot of these other things are 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 not going to work out as replacement for oil, like solar and like wind. They're not. They do they do have a place, but they're not a replacement for it. And helium three could really be a, a great solution. But we have to inspire people, as Jay was talking about. We have to challenge them. We have to say, look. We need to go to the next step. We're not just going to explore space just for the hell of it, just for you know scientific reasons, which is useful and important for its own right. But we can solve our energy problems if we, um, you know, uh, worked on setting up nuclear reactors on the moon and, and things of that nature. And so the idea of creating a, an open letter on its own website 
doing some research on it and actually getting Jay involved in editing it and maybe pulling in some more people. And you and I just going to help facilitate it, maybe get the thing started. Well, the, re- the reason why I kind of suggested it in the first place was because it, you'd never know, right? What could happen is, is that it could go viral, right? And mm-hmm. it could end up kind of going somehow getting in front of the eyes of some people who could make a difference. Yeah. Well, you'll be surprised. I mean, you sometimes if you do things and if you do them right and you do them and you're shrewd about how you do them, things can actually work. So if we were to if we did a really good job and pulled in some people, like for instance, Jay Skeevil sent me an email or is, I'm not no, sorry, I'm sorry. He he wrote a he wrote a comment on the on the post says yeah. it said I sent a note to Harrison Schmidt and told him that you two were going to do an open letter to the tech titans to push H helium three fusion. Right. He said he would like to see it if you do. Ball's in your court now. Harrison Schmidt was the last guy to walk on the moon for crying out loud, right? <laughs> but, okay, but look, just, I mean, just just one thing, right? Let's say we do do this, yeah? And let's say, which which we are, we're kind of already committed to doing it, right? Since it right, was well, you opened your big mouth. I know, I know, I know. But right, uh, but look, gonna, let, okay. but have you considered the ramifications, okay? Let's say, just, just go the whole way through. Okay. If it really was taken seriously and someone thought that's interesting and it did start to take some impact and people started to raise money for it and do it, et cetera, et cetera, isn't there the possibility that, for example, as a technology, it could just blow the whole human race up? And then we'd be responsible no, that's silly. I'm not even going to go. That's just silly. <laughs> and like I, because I, first of all, okay, I don't. I haven't done the research yet on this stuff. Right. Right? I, have, I have a bunch of stuff I printed out that I'm ready to read. So at least I know. At least I'm at the a layman's level of, of expertise on what the helium three stuff is all about. But as far as, my, as far as I understand, it's not the kind of stuff that you can make into bombs. But like I'm, ju- I'm just saying, like. We don't know what kind of fire we're playing with here. I you mean, don't know with any kind of. You don't know with any. I mean, that's with all science, right? Do you not do research in genetics because you're worried that we're going to have we'll clone everybody and we're going to have some kind of, you know, bizarre uh, genetically engineered people? Which is a whole other topic I'm going to talk about in a minute. I mean, no, you push forward in science. That's what we're going to do. Science lurches forward relentlessly, no matter what. But just sorry, just think about it. This stuff has enough energy. Like a gram of it has enough energy to like power Earth for you know, a thousand years or something ridiculous like that. Okay, that, that was... A, no, it was like it a 100 megawatt... Uh, okay, uh, which is cold. a huge amount of energy. Surely, surely that can be misused in some way. Okay, so should we just not do anything because well, it's misused? Uh, no, I'm not saying... To, I, I, I'm just saying... Maybe we shouldn't use the internet because it could be misused. <laughs> I'm just saying that, it, like, people... Like, people kind I don't of, think we should have cars because they can be misused. People think that they're doing something good. They think that they're making a difference for good. And quite often it backfires against them. And then, you know, their idea takes hold. And then all of a sudden it's, it's the worst possible outcome. So what I'm, what I'm just saying is maybe we should do a little bit more research, be a little bit more thorough about it before we actually commit. Well, to that's what I told you. You were going to go off and write your stupid. Well, but that's why it was just going to be like a couple of paragraphs. It was going to be, you know, hello. Well, then who cares? What's the point? The billionaires, you know, Hello. Just, it's just, just check out H three. That's all. That's all I was gonna say. Yeah, you're gonna write a letter that no one. You might as well just put it a message in a bottle and throw it at the ocean. No one is ever gonna read it. No one's ever gonna care. And then the if we wrote something that was that was well researched and really really well written, and we had some input from Harrison Schmidt, we had some um, input from from Jay, and I'm sure he might have some people that were that he would might feel would know more about it than him. You could pull them in to review it and edit it and add some stuff, and maybe we. Put a wrote a 
put the website up and we actually got maybe maybe got really lucky and it got like 300 points on Hacker News and maybe we got someone <laughs> at uh, Wired Magazine to run. I mean, you could actually care, create a minor effect with it, but not a nothing effect. The other thing is just a nothing effect. Which I is, mean, yeah, let's I mean, you know, it's it's going to be. F- it's going to be interesting. Let's do it. Let's see what the hell happens. All right. So, you, you know, look, you, I'm your buddy. You pulled me into it. You said, well, Texting's going to do it. And I'm like, well, don't do it on the name of Texting if you do a crap-ass job of it. So at least, at least, I mean, we'll do it to the best ability that well, you and okay, I Okay, well, look, do. all I'm saying is at least let's really think about it and research it before going majorly public. It's fine. Of course. That's what I said first place. I agree. Okay. okay so <laughs> I got an interesting, um, I got an interesting story. Can I tell a story? Yeah. You want to go for it. Story? This is not a tech story, but it's just an, it's a, it's an interesting story. Yeah. So, um, about 10 years ago, uh, when I first moved back out to California, we've talked about the story, how we're in Chicago and everything. We went to California around 2000 and I started a soccer team, as I've mentioned numerous times in the show that I have run like a men's sort of, eh, it's like a high level amateur semi pro ish soccer team. Yeah. Right. You know, we're really good. We played against, we scrimmaged against an MLS team that we've, you know, we've done some great things. Um, so when I, when I first started it, um, one of the uh, – I was desperately trying to recruit players because I had, I had, I had, I had kind of lucked out and got us into one of the most competitive leagues. And there are the most competitive league probably in the state of California. And uh, I didn't have the players <laughs> for the team. Right. So I had to desperately go out and try and find a bunch of players. And it was sort of hilarious going around the city just – trying to recruit people and um i there's a website i found this guy and he was young he was like 20 or something and yeah i think he was 20 and he was uh played third division i think in uh, sweden and uh, he came out to practice a good player and he said to me after practice i think it was after the first second practice he's listen he's like because he was working here as an au pair it's kind of like a nanny right really and yeah for like it's like a distant relative over in santa monica the, i can't remember the woman's name but she's sort of a not not famous she's like a character actor in the movies and she was he just couldn't stand working for her. she was like you know they were he and another swedish kid his age were like they were up at like six in the morning and they were working to like midnight he was like a slave driver right and he was like he's asked me he's like listen he's like hey do you think there's any way that like i could get a job or apartment around you have you could you give me an advice on that and i'm like dude you know, look, I'm like, you have two months left on your visa. It's a, it's a, not a work visa. Mm. You don't know anybody. I mean, how are you going to get a job? I mean, you get an apartment. It's just not going to happen. I just don't think there's any way. But I said, I'll tell you what, I said, listen, let me talk to my, let me talk to Sandy. I said, she's, you know, like half Swedish. <laughs> so maybe she'll take some pity on you. Maybe she, maybe she could stay with us. So I took Sandy out to breakfast the next morning and it was funny because we never got to breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> so we're sitting out at this really nice breakfast. She's like, she's like, why are we here? Okay, so what do you want? <laughs> I'm like, listen, so there's this this is a Swedish kid and he's really nice he's a really nice kid, you know, and he's really miserable and I thought maybe he could stay in our loft for a couple months. <laughs> you know. And she's like, What? And I'm like, Well, look, I just I feel I want to take pity. I think he's a good kid, you know, he's we could use him in the soccer team, but I just mostly just felt like he was a really nice kid, you know, he's a tight mind and I said it wouldn't be a big deal if he stayed in our loft. And this is before we had kids, right? Yeah. So she's like, All right, all right, fine and you know, and she's like, I'll just go and I'll go I'll go to IKEA or something and buy some furniture for the loft, get a bed and stuff and so she hooks it up and like he moves in the next day and he's like super thankful, right? He's like, Dude, I was like, Oh man, you know, um, thanks so much. I'll do I'll do anything. I'll clean the house for you guys and stuff. And I said, listen, you know, don't worry about that. Just, I tell you what, just clean up your own mess. And I said, that'll be fine. I said, but what I tell you, what you 
could do is you could help me run the soccer team. I was like, I'm, I'm doing a, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm busy with work, but you know, I'm also getting this soccer team off the ground and it's a lot of work. I said, you can help me recruit players and, and all this kind of stuff and, and get, you know, organized practices and other things, all the administrative stuff that we got to do. And he's like, oh, it's my dream to manage a professional soccer team. So I'd love to. And I'm like, well, great. Well, because your dream is just manage a professional soccer team, why don't you start with a semi-professional team? <laughs> and he's like, okay, right. So he, he stays with us for the first two months and he goes back for Christmas. He gets a six month visa and comes back and stays with us for eight more months, for six more months. So he stays with us for eight Very months. Very nice of Sandy to, uh, to allow that. It was. And, uh, you know, and he became kind of like, it was kind of a combination, half little son, half little, um, like little brother. Right. He was kind of in that range. Like I'm 30, Sandy's 26, he's 20, but he's kind of like a young 20. He hadn't gone to college yet. Cause you know, in Europe, you'll take like a year off before you go. And he was kind of like a young, you know, uh, just a, he's a typical 20 year old of just making lots of mistakes. His car getting car parking tickets all the time. Just dumb crap. Yeah. Like, dude doing you know sleep yeah. until 11 he kind of screwing things up but you know a re- but a smart and he was thing was he was really charismatic and so he helped he was, did a great job recruiting players because everybody all the guys love goose right because he was great he was a great soccer player and a nice guy so anyway he does a great job helping me run the team and we talked about and i think he came back and visit like a year or two later when he was in, in university he, would come, he comes back and visits all the time yeah and he's like you know i was talking about how his dream he was totally talking about reiterating how his dream was to manage a professional soccer team and he's like i wonder how you do it and i remember we were driving the car and i said you know i said i don't know how you bec- get how you get to be a manager of like barcelona or manchester united how does that happen yeah and i was like I don't th- it's not like you want to be a lawyer so you go to law school yeah so well, here's <clears throat> here's what i think i think you probably want to do is try and get an internship at one of the at one of the professional clubs go work there for free and get to know people and you know show that you're that you're a smart guy and that you can get stuff done and you can be helpful and then and then you'll see and then things will go from there the path will become a little clearer and so anyway he goes back and he ended up graduating from college and he did a little startup on his own made some money doing that but while he was doing that he um did two things he volunteered and became the uh the manager the guy who negotiates contracts with players for for like a third division team mm-hmm. and it was unpaid but he was the one who went around and negotiated literally was negotiating contracts at the same time or not long after doing that he went and got an internship at a first division club called hammerby which is one of the biggest uh professional soccer clubs in europe i mean i'm sorry i'm in sweden okay and then like a year then like a year and a half later two years later he gets offered a position to be the um because he had he had spent like two years and really helped this third division team they they got promoted to a second division team like he he was the way i did all the work because all the guys on the board were all a bunch of old guys who mostly just want well, to sit around that makes the difference isn't it when you do something that shows success then it's, it lands on your shoulders then you're going to get noticed exactly. yeah and he was able to get an interview at i think e- IAK or one of the other big Swedish clubs and Hammerby for uh, a position there. It was unclear what it was, but they, he ended up getting hired by Hammerby to run the entire youth program. So they have like these professional clubs. It's not just like in America where you have like one professional team. They have an entire youth system of hundreds of players from, you know, under 12 or under 14 all the way up to the, the farm team and the, and, the, and the main, the big team, right? So he ends up getting hired two years ago to literally at the age of 28 to be in charge of the entire youth program at Hammerby, which is amazing, right? I mean, it wasn't like he's some guy who was like, well, he was a successful professional Swedish player, played in the national team, and, and then he sort of becomes a coach, and then he kind of winds his way into that. He just literally gets sucked into doing that. Gets, he just because wanted he was, to be – he wanted to be – I mean, to me, it's like I don't get it because I just don't understand why anyone would be interested in doing that. 
But I think it's well, great he, that he was interested in it and he got well, the it. The story's not over. The story's not oh, over. Okay. okay. So he called so he and he called me up for it and he and I gave him some advice on like what he should do. And I said, You need to go out there and you need to show him your ambition. And you say, tell him, look, you can do a great job at this. You know what you're doing. And furthermore, that's not your ultimate goal. I said, I said, you need to make it clear what your ultimate goal is to be a manager. They need to understand that that's what you're shooting for, that you're really serious about. He, he still it, wanted to be a manager. It wasn't just a, like a kid's goal. dream anymore. No, I mean, you know, being, I mean, managing a professional soccer team. Yeah. And you're, I mean, it's huge. Okay. I mean, I, that is a huge, I guess huge there's deal. whole games about that, isn't there? There's whole fo- oh, yeah. football manager yeah. simulations. All right, go on then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he used to play that all the time. Oh, my, my God. Okay, go on. Go on. That's it. Where so, did he get to? Okay, okay. So, but what happens is, is like, he's there for like a year, and then he starts bitching. Oh, he gets hired. One thing I told him is, you know, just be really confident, and, 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 uh, and that really helped because the, the chairman of the board at Hammerby was really impressed by his ambition. Yeah. It's, which is funny because he says in, in Sweden, people are much less sort of ambitious, outwardly ambitious, and outwardly forceful. That's much more of an American trait. <laughs> and, but it worked. The guy was impressed because it was, he showed that he was a real go-getter. It's like, all right, you're 28. I'm going to give you a shot. Talking a big game, okay. right? So he comes in, he's doing a great job, but then he starts agitating and he's getting frustrated because he doesn't want to be stuck at running the youth program. But I'm like, and he's calling me and complaining. I'm like, Goose, you're you're 29, right? You're not 50, okay? <laughs> you're not 50 years old. It's not like you've been coaching through the second division and the third division, and you've done this. I mean, you you just you know, come on, give me a break. I mean, things can happen fast. But he's like a he's like a American style entrepreneur. Like he wants stuff to happen like in you know six months. And so I'm telling him to just chill out a little bit. And he was talking about maybe interviewing with other clubs and this and that. And I said, just hold tight for a little while. I said, you need to prove yourself a little more. Well, as it happens, he calls me up last week and the, the manager, they call him the sports, what we call general managers or GMs here for like the teams in the U.S. for like the football and basketball teams. They call sports managers in Europe. Well, the sports manager left. And they give him a call and they say, they talk to him and say, we're, in, we're, we're considering you for sports manager for Hammerby. And they end up giving him the job. Oh, He's 30 a- years old, and now he is the manager for Hammerby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I calls me up. Like, I called back today. I said, because I knew I'm like, I need a confirmation this is happening. This is, like, <laughs> this is unbelievable. How does that happen? Now, another thing is, they got Hammerby is the third biggest club in Sweden, and they got relegated last year to the first division because they had all kind of financial problems. They caught a lot of badly managed contracts, and, and they just their, their finances were not in order, and that's what caused them to sell off a lot of their best players. And, the, and as a consequence of that, they, 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 you know, when you're at the bottom of your division, you get relegated. Yeah. And top people in their division get promoted. So, but they're pro- they'll, they'll, they have the money and the, and the size that they'll, they'll win their way back up to the premier division because they are a premier level club, but they're, they are in the finals of the year of the Swedish cup. And if they win, they'll play in Europe. So they're going to play against, I think the UEFA cup, they're going to play against company, you know, for, um, teams like Liverpool and stuff like that. <laughs> That's I awesome. mean, this is unbelievable. So in less than 10 years, Gustav, we used to call him Fez for foreign exchange student, <laughs> like that 70s show, Fezzo, <laughs> the guy used to live in my loft, the guys get parking tickets driving this crappy ass little $500 car that we, we bought for him to drive, is managing a professional team in Europe. Awesome. I mean, that's insane. But, you know, one thing I'll say about him is, and I think this is just because, uh, you know, this, this applies because of the whole startup mentality, the idea of being like, you have to have a dream. You have to have something like you're going for that you care about, you want to do, but you have the gall to go after it, but you have to bootstrap your way there. So he did things like he, he did a startup. So he learned how to run a business on his own and make money and all that kind of stuff. He, he 
was volunteering for working a third division club. He's interned at a first. He was doing whatever he could to kind of get himself into that world. And then when he got his chances, he made sure people understood what his ambition was. And then when he was given the opportunities, he actually made it happen. And as luck would have it, I mean, he increased his luck surface area. I was area, just about right? to say the same thing. He increased his luck surface area. I mean, if he just sat around his 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 flat talking to his buddies about how I wanted to be a managed professional team, you know, wish I could do that. I mean, no, he went out and did stuff, and he worked hard and talked to people, and you know, and, and it worked out. And now I'm just like in shock. Like I just emailed all. Give Goose uh, congratulations from me. I will. I will. Tell him you that know, the great think- Justin Vincent said, "Well done, Goose." You know, what we will have to do is actually get him on the show. Go in time for a short snippet to tell us his story, some of the stories, because it's some great. He did he had his own internet startup, which he sold for a lot of money. Oh, really? Great. Yep. He's, yeah. Well, he's, what he was made, the startup? What kind of thing? It was funny. They actually, it was funny when it started. It actually, um, they sold snooze. You know what snooze is? No. Which is like the that stuff that little tobacco you put into your lip. Oh yeah. They both, they sold on the web because essentially it's really big in Sweden and Norway places like that. Huh. But when people leave Sweden, because like, you know, obviously in Europe, there, you have lots of expats, like all the young people go and they work in other countries and they travel around. Well, they can't buy their favorite stuff. It's like your favorite cigarettes or something. Yeah. So people are ordering it on the web. So they set up a site and order it. And they, they, he and teamed up with this other guy who was a tech guy. And they really built it up. And they built a whole slew of stores. They tried selling a bunch of other stuff too. But they ended up selling the company and making a f- big chunk of change. Hmm. And uh, I kept warning him not because he's talking about reinvesting in real estate and all that stuff. I'm like, dude, put it in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> don't lose it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you did a great job. Congratulations. Now, don't lose it. <laughs> don't squander that cash. I said, because he's getting, oh, and he's getting married in June. Sandy and I are going to fly over to Sweden and, uh, and get in his wedding in June. And then um, we are also, because, you know, my uh, guy on, who uh, I'm working with on Epic Night and worked on Prezo, is in Oslo. So we're going to go and visit um, guy on and Louise, his wife, and, uh, now, have you well. met Guyon before, face to face? I have not, which is funny because that brings up another topic I wanted to bring up. Uh, yeah, go on. Guyon, I've, I've, Guyon and I have been working together since 2005. He, he, I, I initially found him as a contractor, hired him because I found he had written some blog posts. Yeah. Look, sir, area. Okay. <laughs> he'd, written some, he'd written some posts. He actually wrote for like internet.com or, or, or EarthWeb or something. He'd written some posts on, on JavaScript, and I contacted him and said, hey, would you be interested in doing some uh, contract work and he was up for it and it sort of it, it quickly morphed into him just he, he and i uh, like uh, extreme programming every night together as opposed to me just sending him off like you know hey can you work on this yeah and after Prizo, you know went out of business and all that kind of stuff he and i have he, you know we just decided that we were going to work together on some other our own stuff and we worked on an app and you know so that and eventually we started working on app night a little over a year ago so now um uh you know it's interesting so i've never met guy on face to face so it would be an opportunity to go and meet them but i was thinking it's funny it's like he's like my harvey you know like harvey the six foot rabbit and jimmy's jimmy stewart's movie Remember that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like everybody hear me talk about him it's like i don't know who's this guy own guy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, like but i mean i totally think i totally believe in the the possibility of forming fantastic relationships and and getting great value across the net like that i mean for me I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that I met my wife across the net. And it wasn't through a dating site. I just happened to meet her actually in the Virtual Irish Pub, which was a, a site that I'd written and I'd built. And we ended up speaking online for, you know, six months through Skype. And then we decided to meet. And also, I mean, I, I bought and sold an entire house without ever stepping foot into it, all completely across the internet. And I made 20,000 pounds profit 
uh, in the UK. Oh. And I mean, I, I, was a, I was a landlord for two people who lived in that house. <laughs> right. So I think that, um, you know, I think it's, and once again, Sebastian, you know, Sebastian, who I'm working with on Swarm, um, met through Twitter. I mean, I think it's, I think it's perfectly valid and, and it's a great way to, to make good relationships. So you've made, so you've been working with Guyon for that long. Now you're going to meet him. Poor Guyon, he's going to get an awful shock when he meets you. Yeah, he is. It's not going to be bad. Well, you know what's funny? I was talking to him. He said he listened, when he was listening to the uh, in the interview with Phil yeah. in the last show. Yeah. He said he was kind of laughing because, you know, Phil's like, yeah, you know, Jason blows a lot of energy out into the room. He's like, yeah, that's pretty much true. Right. <laughs> I kind of like suck. He's like, because he's like, I'm kind of the number two just like Phil was. You yeah. know, like one guy has the idea and pull all the energy and he kind of sucks the other guy in with, you know, and he's like, that's kind of that's pretty much what happened. So I told Guy and I said, you know, when. Once we're ready to launch Epic Night, we'll have to have to get him on, and he can tell his side of the story for Epic Night. Yeah, definitely. Kind of funny. So, um, yeah, I think that'd be <laughs> cool. So, I got um, a couple topics. Do you want to bring up? Do you want to talk about anything other? Anything um, well, you know, you go, you go. Okay. So, um, okay. Well, here's a, here's the thing. Um, we'll talk about the whole. We'll stick on the guy on topic for a second. Another guy own issue, which is so I've been suggesting that he write some stuff too, like I have been for my blog to pull oh, some okay. people in yeah. Yeah. get some attention and get our luck surface area built up a little bit. But he's not as interested in writing like the stories and the things like I am. He's more, I think he feels more comfortable doing the technical writing, like tutorials and things. Mm-hmm. And so, based on that, because we end up building our own sort of hashing framework for, um, for PHP because we we tried some stuff that didn't really work very well, you know, because for for password hashing, you want to do salting and stretching and you want really good randomness and you want all this kind of stuff so that it, it's it's a it's a very secure system. And so we built it uh, our, ourselves. We tried everything else. It didn't work. And I was funny because I was like, well, why don't we just use this one? He's and he, he kept saying, let's just use that one. I'm like, all right, fine, let's just use it. And we kept trying it, trying. We couldn't get it to work. I'm like, all right, well, you're my witness, right? So you can tell. <laughs> oh, there's a the surprise. Wasn't Jason that... couldn't find an existing library, so he had to rebuild it from the ground up. <laughs> it didn't work. I'm like, well, how long do you want to sit here trying to make it work? How, when it long, how work? long did you give it? Uh, we probably screwed around for a couple hours. And I'm just like, I'm getting tired of it. It's not working. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't, okay. you know, it's not that much code. Let's just write our own. And so we did in a couple hours and it's better. You know, it's awesome library. I mean, it's really. Um, so I mean, he's going to put it's, that out on a blog then. Well, what he's going to do, so he's got, he's very interested in the idea of randomness. Mm-hmm. You know, what is ran, randomness and pseudo randomness and random generator. So he's, and we started talking about all kind of different ideas. Cause first of all, there's all kind of different types of randomness. Um, you know, uh, Benoit Mandelbrot, who's the father of chaos theory, was talked a lot about different categories of randomness. And then there's ideas of in how it plays into security. And, and we're talking about the ideas of like uh, diehard tests, like tests for randomness. There are all these diehard tests. Can there be a test for it? Can you even prove wrong? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're all kind of die. There's what they call the diehard test. There's a bunch of tests. Like, when, you know, if they don't pass this test, there's a good chance it probably isn't random. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I, I told him, I said, you know what you should do is don't just write one article, make it a many part series and start out with part one. Cause I, cause we came out with like at least 10 or 15 ideas. Like each one of them was their own, like two or three page post. Mm. Like one was, you know, um, Ken, um, Dai, who, who you've met before, a friend of our, our of mine who, um, he wrote a, um, a, uh, he, he, we talked the other day and he's like, you know, you should, uh, he was talking about the, um, 
the you know cracking passwords and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I just he's because he's really into and in, in, interested in CUDA, which is the Intel framework for leveraging the power of the graphical processors, the GPUs. Yeah, have you heard of that? Do you know what those are? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So using those to crack passwords, and it's looking really scary. And I, and I, 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 I showed that to Guy, and I said, you know, we're using 256-bit 200, you know, um, uh, encryption. I said, that may not be enough with the, the rise of the GPUs. And he's like, wow, that's really scary. So, um, I, you know, that's a whole other article. GPU, crack, you know, how GPUs can be leveraged to, to crack and, and uh, all, all these kinds of issues. So he's going to write like a... Put, but the, th- the thing is, so just, sorry, just to interrupt there. If if you build into your system a time between um, tries, then it, it no system can be written to break it because essentially no. Well, that's true. But if someone ever gets a, if ever gets access to the da- database, then you got then you, then they have to be you know you can use a rainbow table attacks right. Um, and there's all kind of other things to attack. But these these encryption things, yeah. So there's a lot of issues that you can do. But so he's he's going to spend. He's going to write a long series of articles, which I think could really work. Because a lot of them are really fascinating, and I think they could they could get some some um, catch some uh, catch some HN Acker News action, or even even Reddit programming would probably like that. Mm-hmm. And if you did many part, and because maybe you know people don't see part one through four, and then they see part five, you know, categories of randomness and security, you know, da da da, and then they'll go back through it. Yeah, and so I was like, you know, you could make this like a ten part. I mean, you don't no, don't put a cap on it. Just start writing at part three, part four, and you should come up with ideas. Keep adding on to it, and um, and I said that's going to set you up as like a, a real authority on this, which is good for you. And I said it's also good for Epic Night, the randomness right? expert. Yeah, on randomness and security and all that kind of stuff. And you better make I sure seen- that it's bloody secure then, and you, and you'll set yourself up as a target for hackers. That's that, yeah okay. What you know. Um, as long as you're doing is everything you can do, um, and you're doing it intelligently, then you know it's it's not like it's it, that much code. You know, it's not like it's ten thousand lines of code. No, I mean has, you're setting up Igniter as a target for hackers because if 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 one of you on the team is basically as a, a so-called security expert, then it's like it, it sets up the team and the company as okay, right? The chat, the gauntlet's laid. The challenge is is there. I'm going to hack this. Mm-hmm. That's the only Maybe. answer. So the other thing I'll say is about the idea of writing these tutorials mm-hmm. on stuff is that it sets you up as an authority, right? And that's valuable is like if you write – let, let's say that you want, you want to work in NoSQL, right? Let's say that you find that to be a really cool area. Well, go write a bunch of tutorials about using MongoDB or Tokyo Cabinet or Redis or something and, 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 and you know, just write a series of tutorials on it and post them. And, and then all of a sudden, you will be setting yourself up as an expert in that field as opposed to just sending in a resume and saying, oh, I've worked in NoSQL. Mm-hmm. Like if, you're, if people go and they do search for that stuff and say, hey, you know, he's written tutorials and all this stuff. And it's not just like telling people that you wrote some code in it. Not only do they see the code, but they can see you explaining the code and, the, and if you do a good job of it. I mean... You know, I, I just think that's a really good way. No, I think sort that's of a very good idea. Story. I suppose it's a good, and it's a great kind of thing to put on your resume as well. And that's gonna be another blog post of mine, by the way. So, um, what did you think of what, what did you think of kit k i k dot com um, going from zero to a million users in fifteen days? I think we need to get them on the show. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's pretty impressive. I think it'd be good to get them on the show. They were, I actually I, I jotted them down as, as somebody to invite. I don't know if we could get them or not, but yeah, why don't you go for busy. it? I think you should. I'll try. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. Um, they might be up for it. You know what's interesting? One thing I had to bring up real quick is um, I saw this, and I, for some reason I'm trying to determine if this is, is real or not, but there was this stuff I was reading about how Craig Venter, you know who Craig Venter is? He's the guy who, um, he, he, I guess, 
I don't know if he tied or beat the the U.S. government's effort uh, to crack the human genome, right? With his company, yeah. uh, and I can't remember the name. It's escaping me for the moment. But apparently, um, he had proposed using genetic engineering on astronauts to make them um, more um, resilient to the challenges of, of, of spacefaring. So there's two two key problems that have when you go into space as an astronaut. One is uh, loss of bone density, mm-hmm. right, because of lack of gravity. Yeah. And that's a real problem. And that's why, you know, when those astronauts were up there on the space station, International Space Station, for months at a time, they come back, and I think it was a real period of adjustment to get their bodies back. The second is when you're in space, you're not protected by our, our atmosphere to against um you know, this sort of cosmic radiation, mm-hmm. that's a major problem. And so he, he was proposing um, th- that you use genetic screening and potentially even genetic engineering to make sure astronauts are extremely um, resilient towards those two, those two issues, bone loss and, um, and uh, resilience for like your DNA that's self-repairing DNA or something like that. Anyway, I thought that was really almost kind of crazy, but it's interesting. Hmm. I mean, so what was, what was that? What was, I mean, that, that, that was the, it was just a proposal. I mean, he's proposing that to NASA. I mean, to use genetic screening and then potentially genetic engineering. What did they say? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think, I think it's just a proposal. Right. Right. I mean, I think a lot of scientists and stuff will propose things that can be done. You know, I mean, like we're going to propose the helium three. Yeah. You know, but I think Craig Venter's proposals on about genetics are taken a lot more seriously. Right. Right. You know, he has the ear of people. When he talks about genetics, people listen. He is as much of an expert in the world as there is on the subject. And, you know, in some ways you might think, well, messing around with, you know, human DNA and stuff is a sort of unethical and scary thing that people, I mean, you think of Gattaca, right? Remember the movie Gattaca? Mm -hmm. Do you ever see that? Where they sort of evolve this sort of human race, this sort of, they're sort of regular humans. And then there was the advanced, the humans that were genetically engineered and primarily for space flight. That's how it started. And, you know, you can almost see that happening, right? I mean, things always start in, in, in just a little bit of time. It's all the power of gradualism, right? You know, it's like, okay, we're just really genetic screening, we're trying, which is what you do anyway, right? I mean, pilots have to have 20-20 vision, right? They can't, they have to be a certain height. They have to be very athletic. They can't have any diseases, right? Astronauts are probably the same way. It's like, well, we get these people, but what we can do is we can, you know, maybe they have some like, you know, they have the genetic therapy. You could probably do a genetic therapy that changes your genome, not to repair against some sort of genetic disease, but to make people more resilient to cosmic radiation and, and bone loss, right? But then it makes, you say, well, you know, there come some other things because essentially heart muscles start to atrophy or this starts to happen. They start to make those things better. And then, oh, a side effect is that is actually, you know, they're a much better respiratory system and they're physically stronger and they live longer. And it's just kind of like, you know, projected on down the road. And all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's not a, it, no one step is a big deal, right? Much further. It's just, it makes common sense, but eventually you, you get there. I personally think, and this is something I've argued a long time, is that genetic engineering is inevitable. Human race, it is inevitable. Just like, well, it's. I mean, why why isn't genetic engineering ever? I mean, at the end of the day, evolution is um, it's kind of happening by accident, right? As as we do it, but what, why wouldn't it be called evolution? Just because we genetically engineered the evolution, it's still evolution, isn't it? That's right. I mean, yeah, artificial versus natural versus artificial evolution. I mean, right? Yeah. Just because we're controlling our own evolution, it's just. It's just uh, we're accelerating, you know, in our mm-hmm. own way, and we're just going to control the, the 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 trajectory of evolution of ourselves. I mean, you know, and I, you know, who knows when it will happen? But essentially, it will start happening at very gradual levels. You know, it's just like I think when um, you know in vitro fertilization and stuff happened. You know, people who were have difficulty getting pregnant and fertility labs. I mean, when that first started, that was very controversial. It was bizarre. 
right? Test tube babies, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And now yeah. it's just like, that's just standard medical stuff. And people are trying to have difficulty having babies. And a lot of people, you know, um, use in vitro fertilization. They need to, otherwise they can't have babies. A lot of people wait a little too long. They're in their late thirties and they're just not able to get pregnant. Right. And it's right. not a big deal. Nobody would grudge them of it and say, Oh, well you can't have babies and it's just too unnatural. It's just becomes kind of part of like the accepted thing. At first it's very scary. And, uh, but then it just becomes like, Oh, that's just a medical procedure. It's not, not a, there's nothing wrong with it. And I have a feeling that genetic engineering is the kind of thing that will happen in that way. And it's, at first it'll be like, you know, be scanning, it'll be, you know, ways of preventing or healing certain types of genetic diseases that are really terrible. And then it just, you know, works its way up. But that's interesting just to hear that at the na- proposing at that level at NASA. I just thought, I just immediately thought Gattaca. <laughs> Gattaca. All right. Well, I know that you, you have to go and um, it's been a very good show. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I got to uh, get out of here because today I'm not going to work straight till nine o'clock. I am going. No. <laughs> I'm not. My, get to the gym. My, buck, my back will not have it. So, um, all right. Well, I guess that's a show. So that's a wrap. We're out. <laughs> 